Well, good morning, Tabernacle. What's up, Manistee? It is good to see you all here. Uh, my name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. This is 2011, and I was deployed at the time. I had been married to my wife for a short time, just about six months before I left. And uh, I was deployed to a location that I was fortunate enough to be able to call home at times. And so um, there was one time that I was, I was in this room that you had to go into to, to call home because that was where the phone was. There weren't a lot of them. And if nobody was using it, then you could chat on the phone. And so I went in, and my wife and I are talking on the phone, and there's something else you need to know about me, and it's that I do not like mice, okay? They're gross creatures. They come in, they run around like they own the place, they chew on everything, and they poop everywhere they go. Also sounds like my kids. <laughs> but the mice, I don't like them, okay? They're disgusting creatures. And so I'm sitting there on the phone, and in from under the door comes in this little mice, this little mouse, excuse me. And he runs along the wall, and I can see his beady little eyes staring at me, and I know in that moment that it's either me or the mouse, that we cannot coexist in this room. And so I tell Samantha on the phone, I'm like, listen, I'm going to put the phone down for a minute. I've got to take care of this mouse. He's got to go. And she says, well, what are you going to do? And I look around, and I said, well, the only thing I have here to protect myself with is a case of water. And she says, that's not going to work. I say, watch this. So I set the phone down, I pick up the case of water, and I try and get close enough to the mouse that I can still run away if I need to, uh, but that I might be able to hit it. And so I take the entire case of water and I chuck it at the mouse. And I miss by a lot. And half of the water comes flying out of this case, out of this case because apparently the plastic that it's wrapped in is not meant to kill mice with. And so I did what any person would do. I pick up the rest of it that's in the case and I try again. Because the mouse moved about three feet. I think he felt pretty secure that he was safe. And I tried again, and I, and I threw it at the mouse, and again, it didn't work, and the rest of the water spilled all over the place. And then this time, the mouse ran behind this bookshelf that I couldn't get to. And so I, I go back to the phone, I pick it up, and Samantha goes, well, how'd that work out? And I said, it didn't work. And she said, I told you. So not only did I not get the mouse, I made a mess of things, trying to protect myself, and my wife got to say, I told you so. <laughs> but have you ever been there? Have you ever had something come up in life that, that you were going to try and protect yourself, you were going to take matters into your own hands and use what you had available to you or what you thought would work, and you go after it and you just make a mess of things? I have. I have more times than just that story, but I won't share all of those with you today. Instead, we'll go to Scripture, and we're going to look at John chapter 10, and that's where we'll be today. And in John chapter 10, we see Jesus is he's talking with the Pharisees. He's, he's telling them a story. He's trying to teach them, and he paints this word picture for them. But the reason this conversation comes about is Jesus is out doing his ministry, and he meets this, this blind man, this man who had been blind from birth. And he, when he meets this man, he, he spits in the dirt, and he makes mud, and he smears the mud on the man's eyes. And he tells him to go and to wash. And so the guy does this. And when he washes, suddenly he can see. He's no longer blind, but now he can see. And I can't imagine the, the excitement that that man must have felt to, to suddenly now you have, you have vision. You can see what's happening in a world around you that you've never been able to see before. And the people start talking because this man, is, he's got to be excited. And he's telling people. And, and the people are like, is that, is that the guy that was blind? And he's like, yes, it was me. They're like, no, he just looks like him. And he's like, no, it's me. 
And so they take him to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees, these religious people, if you're not familiar with them, they're the religious mafia of the time, if you will. And they begin to ask him questions. They ask him what happened, and he tells them. And they're like, we don't believe you. So they call on his parents. And his parents come in, and and they ask them questions. And his parents are like, listen, this is what we can tell you, okay? Because they're a little bit afraid right now. This is what we can tell you. This is our son. He was blind, and now he can see. That's what we can tell you. Everything else, you can, you can ask him. He, he's of age. He'll tell you. And the Pharisees aren't quite satisfied, so they call the man back in, and they begin to question him again. And, and it turns out what they want from him is to denounce Jesus, to say that he is not of God, that he's a sinner, because Jesus did this on the Sabbath, and how dare anybody do anything on the Sabbath? And that brings us to this conversation because they they kick this blind man out of the synagogue. They throw him out and they ridicule him. And Jesus finds him after this because he hears about it. So he finds this blind man and they begin to have a conversation again. And in this conversation, this, this blind man, he confesses his belief in Jesus and he begins to worship him. And the Pharisees are there and they see this too. And so now they're asking Jesus questions again. And that leads us to John chapter 10. And we'll start in verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He has brought his own all, excuse me, when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. See, Jesus paints this, this beautiful word picture for them that's got depth and layers to it. But he's using everyday common things that they would understand, that they should understand. See, it was incredibly normal for there to be shepherds with sheep. Sheep were a big thing then, and and the sheep were grazing all the time. They're always hungry. I can relate. I'm hungry right now. But they were always hungry, so they'd lead them out to the pastures, and they would graze. And so there'd be all these shepherds with their sheep, and they would build a sheep pen. And the sheep pens would be built with rocks, and, and they would stack the rocks about five feet tall, and a lot of times they're in a big circle, and, and the gate, the opening, the entry in and out would just be a gap, an opening in it. And the gatekeeper would have to lay down at night and sleep in that gap to protect the sheep, because sheep are incredibly vulnerable. They're not smart creatures. In, in fact, I was, after first service, a, a man came up to me and said, I'm a farmer. You're right. They're really dumb. And they are. They're very, very easily hurt. They're lost easily. Sheep have no homing instincts. What that means is if you were to take sheep and and you lead them away from their home, even just a little bit, and you left them, they'll never find their way back, at least not on purpose. And I can relate to that. I, I used to tell my wife that I was a walking GPS. And then we went to Colorado one time. And we decided while we were there that we'd go out to dinner. And so I told her, I said, listen, you don't need to pull up the directions. I saw the place when we were coming in. I know right where it's at. No problem. So we drive around for eh, maybe an hour or so. And uh, finally, she pulls up the directions. And turns out I wasn't even in the right city. (laughs) 
So I can relate. I'm easily lost. They have no homing instincts. They're easily injured, easily lost. And this gatekeeper that would, that would be at the, that opening was incredibly important because the shepherds would house all their sheep together. And so when they'd go to get their sheep, they would call the sheep by name because even though they're, they're not smart creatures, they knew the voice of their shepherd. And so when they would call out to their sheep, those sheep would follow them. And if the sheep didn't belong to them, they would run away because they were afraid. So the gatekeeper knew which sheep belonged to which shepherd based on how they act. And when I read that this week and I was studying for this, it got me thinking and it got me asking myself this question. And the question is, would people know who you follow based on how you act? Would people know who it is that you follow based on how you act? If you, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call on the name of Jesus and you're a believer in him and you follow him, do people know that? In our workplaces, do people know that we're followers of Jesus? In, in, our, in our schools, in our homes, are the words that we say, are the conversations we're having, are our, our actions, are they pointing people to Jesus or are they pointing away? Jesus paints this picture for them and they don't get it. Tells us that they, they don't understand what he was telling them. So Jesus starts to speak to them again and, and this time he gets a little bit more direct in his statements to them. So verse 7 says, Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. See, Jesus is making it very, very clear here to the Pharisees, and he's making it very clear to us. He says, I am the gate. I'm the gate. See, Jesus is saying that he is the only way to salvation. He's the only way to safety. He's the only way to fellowship with God. There is no other way. There is no other hope for us. There is nothing else. He doesn't say, I am a gate. He doesn't say, I am one of the gates. He says, I am the gate. He is our only hope. That's it. See, we in this, this word picture, in the story that Jesus is painting, we are the sheep. We're not smart creatures. We have no homing instincts. We are incredibly fragile. We're vulnerable. And there's nothing that we can do to help ourselves. It doesn't matter how hard we try left to our own devices, without Jesus, we will lead ourselves straight into death and destruction. That's it. We need him. He is the only way. He is the only hope. We too are susceptible to being lost. We're susceptible to the thieves and the robbers, to the, to the false teachers, the false prophets. We need Jesus. We need the gate. We need a protector we need a protector from the world, from the things that are happening around us. We need a, a protector from ourselves and from our own sin. But I have good news. We have a protector. See, Jesus, Jesus is our protection, our peace, 
and our security. He is our protection, our peace, and our security. See, the beauty of this is, this is not reliant on us. There is nothing that, that we can do. There's, it's not about our, our good outweigh and our bad. We can't try hard enough. We can't do the things right enough. We'll never be able to protect ourselves, to keep ourselves safe. Instead, it's all about Jesus and what he did, what he did on the cross. That's why we have protection. That's why we have peace. That's why we have security. But for many of us, we're, we've been looking for it in, in all the wrong places. We've been trying and trying and trying to, to, to manufacture our own protection. And then we wonder why we have no peace and we don't feel secure. It's because we're not looking to Jesus. We're looking to, to the ways of the world to try and find that protection. But we'll never find it. Jesus is our protection. See, in Psalm 46, it says, God is our refuge and strength. A helper who is always found in times of trouble. He is always found in times of trouble. See, there is nothing. Let's not look past that word always because that means that there is nothing in this world, there is nothing in this life that could happen to you that could separate you from the love that God has from you. He is always there. There is never a time that you are without him. There is never a time, even though you may feel alone and rejected and feel like you have to do things yourself, that's not true. There is never a time that God is not there for you and for me. Psalm 119 says that you are my shield. You are my shield. In the book of Ephesians, we're told to, to put on the full armor of God. And if we're told to put on the full armor of God, then that means we have action to take as well. Some of us, we're not putting on that full armor. We're not going to scripture and learning about who Jesus is. We're not spending time in prayer. Instead, we're looking for the case of water to try and help us. When I think about protection, I think about a story that, that many of us know. And it's actually the story of Job. And this is a story that, that typically we, we, we look at and it's a story of trial and tribulation and, and he's been hurt and all these things have happened to him and those things are true. See, Job was, was a man that, that had 10 children and he had, he had lots of things. He was a rich man. Scripture also tells us that he loved God, that he, that he seeked him, that he rejected evil. But even though Job was doing all of those things, he was doing the right things, he was loving God, life happened to Job. Job was afflicted. See, he lost all of his possessions. He lost everything. He lost all of his children, all 10 of them. He was afflicted physically. And in that, in that, in that story of hurt and heartache, we also see that that actually is still a story of protection. Because that entire time behind the scenes, God was protecting Job. God protected Job's faith. God never left Job. God was, was still in control. And although I'm sure there's times that, that Job, felt alone, Job felt alone and, and, and he didn't think anybody had his back, God was still there. Can you relate? Have you been there? I have. God still protected Job. He protected his faith. And just when Job needed him, God spoke to Job. 
One of my favorite parts of the Bible is when he tells him to brace himself like a man. Oof, good luck. Jesus is our peace. Scripture tells us that he is the prince of peace. He is the Lord of peace. Scripture also tells us that we are to seek peace. And if we're to seek peace, that's a command. That means that we have a choice to make in this. We can either look to God, look to Jesus for our peace, or we can look elsewhere. We can either choose to trust God or we can try to rely on ourselves and the things that we think we can do to protect ourselves, to make ourselves feel good. But all of those things are going to let us down. The only peace that really can be found is in Jesus because he is the Lord of peace. Jesus is our security. See, just a few verses from where we, we left off in John 10, 28. He says this, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Jesus is God. In the book of Romans, it says this, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Some of us today, we need to remember who God is. See, this God that that is providing our protection, he's the same God that has created everything. He's the same God that spoke everything into existence, the same God that created a universe that's so vast and so incredible that we can't begin to understand it. It's that same God that lives in us, that is protecting us, that is keeping us safe. That same power lives within us. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that, that he is with us and he's powerful. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He is ever present. He's everywhere. And he is our security. And so I wonder then, what, what is it, if, if we know this, if we know that he is our protection, our peace and security, what is it that stops us from living in that? What is it that stops us from, from going to God, from going to Jesus for our protection, our peace and our security? What is it? And I, I can at least speak for myself, and, and I think that I could probably speak for most, if not all of us here. It's fear. It's fear. Fear is what what keeps me from going to him. And the times that I feel like I I need protection, it's fear. We're so afraid to be dependent on anything or anyone. We're trying so hard to, to grasp any sort of control that we think we can gain. And we do it in different ways. We, we try to manufacture our own peace, protection, and security in different ways. And for some of us, it's in relationships. Some of us are on one end of the spectrum or the other with these relationships. Some of us are jumping into relationships that we probably shouldn't be in because we're looking to that person to provide us our protection. We're looking for that person to provide us our peace and to feel secure. Knowing all along that they will let us down. People will always let us down. I will let you down. Some of us are looking to relationships on the other end. See, some of us refuse to be in a relationship at all. 
We do our best to build these walls to protect ourselves because we've been hurt before. Now we don't trust anything or anyone. We feel like we can only trust ourselves. So we put up these walls and we won't get into relationships, into real relationships, deep relationships. We won't get into community where people can actually get to know us and we can be vulnerable. Men were the worst at this. We're so afraid to let people in, to see the depths of who we are, to see our brokenness. If only there were a retreat that we could go to, men, to maybe build some, some community and some relationship. It'd be a great time for you to sign up after I'm done. But we're trying so hard to not let people in. You've heard it said from the stage that people will come to this church sometimes for years and they'll, they'll successfully keep people at arm's length because they don't want to let anyone in. We're so afraid of being vulnerable. Or vulnerable. We're afraid of being intimate with people. But we're not meant to live this life alone. We're not meant to try and do this by ourselves. Instead, God uses people in our lives. We're meant to be in community. And to be in community means that it's more than just showing up and being here with each other. It's more than that. It's, it's about getting to know one another. It's coming alongside one another. It's being vulnerable with each other. It's being real and authentic and raw. Some of us are looking for our protection. We're trying to find peace in our possessions. For some of us, it's, it's, am I buying all the things that I think I need, all the things that I think I want? Am I providing all the things for my kids that I never had that, that maybe I wanted when I was growing up? That's going to bring them peace. That's going to bring them protection. We're trying to save as much money as we can and put it away and have a savings account. And I'm not saying that that's bad, but it is bad when that becomes our source of protection and peace. We're looking to our retirements to know that we'll be okay down the road. But those things will let you down. They will let us down. I know I, I find myself in this position sometimes where I'm, I'm looking to the things that I think are going to bring that protection for me. And when I dig down deep and I, and, I, and I try to figure out what it is that I'm afraid of and why am I doing this thing, I realize oftentimes that it's, it's an identity issue for me. See, I get afraid because I forget who I am in Jesus. I forget who Jesus says that I am. And so I've got to go back to the book of Ephesians and, and to see who God says that I am. See, he says that I am chosen, that he chose me. He says that I am lavished in grace. He says that I am adopted. And to be adopted, that's an incredible thing. In biblical times when this was written, did you know that if I had a son and he did something or, or a daughter that I didn't like, I could disown him? Just like that. No questions asked. But if I had a child that I had adopted, there was nothing that child could do that I would be able to disown them. Nothing. Nothing. Because I had adopted them. We are adopted in Jesus. Have you ever had that fear of being rejected? You ever been there? I have. But I know this, that in Jesus, we will never ever be rejected. There is nothing that we could have ever done. Our past cannot be bad enough that Jesus doesn't accept us. We will never be rejected. 
this, relation, this, this journey for me really began about five years ago, this journey of trying to find true protection, true peace, and true security. See, before that, I would have told you that I, I had it all together. And on the outside looking in, it really did look that way. See, I had a, had a really good job. I made great money. We were able to put money away, and we were saving for retirement, and we were doing all these things. I, I had a beautiful, loving wife, and our marriage was good. I had a young family. The world would tell you that I was successful. We were successful. We were doing the things that should make you happy and protect you and bring you peace. And then, like life does, there was tragedy. There was a death in our family. And there was heartache and there was hurt. And I remember seeing the people that I loved the most, desperate, broken, And I was broken. I was hurting. And suddenly I realized that all of those things that I was looking to, all the things that I had built up, the savings accounts, the the worldly stuff, it was all failing me. None of it could provide me peace anymore. None of it was providing me protection. None of that mattered. I was hurting. And I was desperate. And I can remember standing out in the third space after service one day and this guy who talks a lot named John came up to me. Some of you know him. He came up to me and he invited me to a fight club, a men's Bible study. And I'll be honest, I really didn't want to go. But I knew that my brother was going and so I figured I would go and I'd be there for him and I would do this. And so that first fight club came, that night came, and, and all day I was thinking about it. I didn't want to go to this. I, I wasn't going to say anything, but I went. And I remember sitting there, and as we were talking through, and, and he's talking about what fight club is, and, and we began to study scripture, the end of the night came. And if you've been to a, to a fight club before, this is the point where it's asked, hey, what, is, what was for you tonight? And guys were, were kind of talking and saying what they got out of scripture. And I remember sitting there going, man, I didn't get any of that. And I don't want to talk right now. But I knew that I had to be honest with these guys and tell them where I was at. And so it got quiet for a minute and I decided, okay, I'm going to speak. And I just said, I'm angry. I'm angry and I'm broken. And I'm hurting. And in that, something really cool happened. There was relationships that were built, and these guys are brothers to me now. They're guys that I know I could count on. God has used them in incredible ways in my life. But it wasn't that suddenly in that, in that moment and in that night that I began to feel the protection of Jesus. See, I, this was the, the beginning of the journey to me that I started to figure out where it was that I could actually find that. And so I began to to study scripture for the first time on my own, really trying to figure out who Jesus is to me. And I began to to actually spend time in prayer talking to this God. See, I I grew up in a Christian home and, and and I did all the things. I knew the stuff, but it was never my faith. It was my parents' faith. I just did it because that's what you were supposed to do. 
And for the first time in my life, I really began to, to try to get to know God. And he met me right where I was at. And I, and I can remember specifically one night laying in bed next to my wife. And I realized I had peace. A peace that I had never felt before. A peace that, that didn't make sense, to be honest with you. A peace that the world would tell you that, that I shouldn't have. I, I shouldn't be there. That it was okay for me to be angry. It was okay for me to hurt. And I did still hurt. Don't get me wrong, there was still pain. I was still sad. But suddenly I had a peace that I couldn't understand. It was a peace that surpassed all understanding. But that didn't come until I gave Jesus my total dependence on him. That freedom came when I was finally completely dependent on Jesus. Verse 10, Jesus says, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Church, we were not meant to barely scrape by in this life. We were not meant to simply just try to survive this. Jesus came so that we would have life and have it in abundance, but that doesn't always mean that it's going to be easy. It doesn't always mean that life is going to pan out the way that we think it will or that it should. Life's still going to be hard. The scripture tells us that we're going to go through trials. It's going to be difficult, but that he is always there. And the job that I had before I had started doing this thing I was fortunate enough to, to go to people's houses and get to talk to them. And I remember one day I, I went and I went to this appointment where the guy had called. And when I got there, as soon as I got out of my vehicle, it became clear to me that this man had difficulty speaking. He had a really, really hard time talking. But as we went through the appointment, I, I did the things. I, I looked at what he wanted me to look at. We talked about it. And as we were sitting at his dinner table... He began to tell me his story. See, this man didn't always have difficulty speaking. He, he led a really successful life. He was, a, he was a police officer. He was a sheriff. A job that kind of requires you to be able to communicate well and efficiently. He had a family. He had success in the world's eyes. He was doing the things right. He was a Christian. He loving God. And one morning he woke up to get ready for work and he had a stroke. And because of that, it took away his ability to efficiently speak. He had to learn to talk again. And speaking was, was hard for him. And he said, you know, when I tell people this story, a lot of people will ask me, do you ever ask why me? Do you ever wonder why me? I, you know, you weren't a bad person. You were doing a job that you were protecting people. You were helping people. And that was taken away from you. Do you ever ask why me? And he says, no. To them, I answer, why not me? Why not me? See, he lost his ability to do his job. He, he lost a lot. He was, had physical ailments, but, it, but through that, he may have lost his job, but he gained a ministry because Jesus is now using him to tell people about him. He's using him to tell, him, tell people his story. See, I tell the students all the time, there's one people, one thing that people cannot argue with you about, and that's your story. He knew where his protection was. He knew where his peace was. 
And sometimes in those tragedies, at least in, in my life, that tragedy is what pushed me back to the gate. It pushed me back to Jesus. And I needed to be pushed there. And I'm so grateful that God used that in my life. I'm not saying I'm grateful that happened. I, I got to be honest. I, I don't ever want to go through it again. I pray that nobody goes through it. But I'm grateful that God used that to draw me back to him, to push me back to the gate. The only way to salvation. The only way to, to hope and protection. The only way to fellowship with God. We've got to remember, church, that the things written in this book, they really did happen. See, Jesus really was born of a virgin. He really did walk this earth. He really did live a sinless, perfect life. He really was betrayed. He really was beaten and tortured. He really was nailed and hung to a cross. He really was murdered for you and for me, even though he didn't deserve it and we did. He really did die. But he really did raise from the grave. And he really did ascend into heaven for you and for me. Are you tired today of trying to do this on your own? Are you tired of trying to manufacture your own protection? Are you tired of not feeling like you have peace? Are you tired of searching for security? Well, you don't have to. Some of us are Christians and we're still trying to find it in other places, but we don't need to. Maybe today is the day that you start looking to Jesus for your protection, peace, and security because he is the gate. And if you're here and you don't know this Jesus, and you're going, man, that sounds great, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I've been. You don't know where I come from. You're right, I don't, but I know where I've been. And I know the wicked sinner that I am and that Jesus still forgave me and wanted a relationship with me and he wants a relationship with you. And today can be the day that you have that relationship with Jesus. Everyone who calls on his name will be saved. It's a choice that you have to make. We can continue to look to, to try and do things ourselves or we can look to Jesus. For some of us, it's time that we stop chasing the mouse, the chaos in our life with, with a case of water, and we start picking up our Bibles. We start looking to Jesus. We start spending time in prayer. We no longer have to be stuck in the pen of sin because Jesus is the gate. He is the way. He is our only hope. We have nothing without him. So the band's going to come. And I wonder if, as we sing this last song, if you'd spend a moment and you'd ask yourself, where am I looking for my protection? Where am I trying to find my peace? Because we can look to Jesus instead of trying to do it on our own. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you, God, for using 
jacked up, wicked, broken people like us. Father, we love you. We love you and we praise you. We're so grateful for you, Jesus. Jesus, it's in your precious, your perfect, and your powerful name that we pray. Amen.